So it's the day of the tournament, and he's been waiting a long time for this event. He's been waiting for that breakthrough. He's been waiting for that personal best. You know, he's been putting in the time. He's been grinding, been working with a coach, and he's really feeling like this could be the day. So as he's preparing for this tournament and he's talking about what he wants to accomplish, you know, the first thing he does is talk about a particular score. Like, this was my personal best, and I feel like I'm going to break this number. Like, I want to shoot my best round ever in a tournament. So when he's heading to the course, he's listening to some pump-up music to get him hype. So he gets to the course, feeling hype, and he gets to the range, pours out the bucket of balls, and starts swinging. So as he's in his warm-up, like, he starts to hit a few shots thin. And not really paying much attention, hits a couple more shots thin. So now there's a little sense of concern and a little sense of, you know, overwhelming um, stress coming over him. So now he starts going through his swing drills he's been working on. And he's kind of searching for, like, a swing thought. So he's practicing and working. He's almost getting himself frustrated on the range. And again, everything's going back to like, this is the score I want to achieve and I need to hit it a certain way to do this. So it becomes more about like kind of practicing. I need to get this right before I go out there, before I feel my confidence. So he's go through the drills, never really perfects it, never really feels that great. But he's like, hits the last one well. And he's like, all right, I'm gonna leave on that. And then goes to the putting green. You know, he starts missing some kind of mid-range putts. So he's putting from like 10 to 15 feet. He's just missing these putts. So again, now there's a feeling of stress. So now is the time to go out to the range. So kind of hyped up, really nervous, not really knowing what's about to come. So we get out there and the first hole is a little bit rough. So now we're already in stress. He's already feeling overwhelmed. And he's looking at that number like, well, I have to do this to accomplish this number. So as the holes continue, he gets more stressed, he gets more frustrated. And everything is about like, well, I can, if I only do this, I can shoot this score. And this is a very big common issue for players and the reason why they struggle because they're putting a little bit of an expectation at these pitfalls that this player is going through. And in this episode, we're gonna go through all of these pre-round pitfalls and the things that players do before they even tee it up that can get them into trouble. And that's all coming up right now. Welcome to the Go Low Show, where it's about golf, grit, and your pursuit of greatness. My name is Kyle Alderink, and I am your co-host, along with my man, John Weir, mental game coach extraordinaire. And in this podcast, we're going to show you everything that you need to know about how to go low in your golf game. And we're excited to bring you that show right now. Expect anything different? Is it his time? Yes! All right, it's time to go. All right, well, John, great to have you back. Um, you know, we've been off for a couple of weeks. You've been on the road. You guys just had a great finish. Everybody's excited for you. Um, now that we're in full real tournament mode, you know, we really want to get into how we're acting before these tournaments and some traps players can get into, you know, before they even tee it up that could already make them struggle. So, what do you kind of see as some of these pitfalls that players get into? 
I think the number one pitfall that players get into is they lose touch that a warm-up before a round is still a warm-up. And what they end up doing is they start trying to make it more of a practice or they they start associating mentally how they're hitting it on the range during their warm-up into how that's going to equate to their performance on the course. You know, I can tell you from personal experience watching players warm up on the range before big events, there have been plenty of days where we really didn't hit it well or didn't get anything going during the warm-up only to stripe it on the course. And vice versa, you know, oftentimes, sometimes we're striping it on the course only to kind of go and have increased expectations heading into the tournament round. So I think the number one pitfall is, is that players will associate what they're doing in their warm up to what that's going to mean to the round. And so I think it's really, really crucial for players to kind of think and, and keep their mind mentally on this is a warm up and kind of begin developing a routine. But on that note, you're going to see people go in there without much of a routine. They don't really know what their warm-up process is. And so it's really easy for them to fall into pitfalls such as turning their rounds into a practice or getting overly technical. And mm-hmm. I'm sure this is some things that your players have dealt with quite a bit too, Kyle, where the, the warm-up suddenly begins to shift. And now you start seeing them there practicing and working on the techniques that you were working on earlier in the week with them. So my number one pitfall would be is not clearly identifying or associating that it's a warm up and it's not a practice and it's not going to associate to exactly how you're going to perform on the course that day. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because my best tournament round, and I tell this story a lot, I'm not kidding you, John, I shanked every single ball on the, on the <laughs> warm up, and I was terrified and I'm not kidding. I think I would have shot 65 that day and you know, the interesting thing is, is it really changed my expectation that day because I went from what the round was going to be like to just hit the center of the face. You know I mean? Like that was my only mission for the day. I had a singular task to hit the center of the face. And I can remember coming off into almost the 16th hole and not even having a clue where I was until one of my playing partners, I think, was like, dude, you're like, you know, six under par. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I haven't shanked one. That was <laughs> that was my mindset, but and that goes into some of our previous things we talked about with expectations. But you know, so on your note with that too is you know placing a a scoring goal or a scoring expectation, I think is very dangerous for players. So what do you think about that? A hundred percent. I think always a score expectation is is pretty tough. I mean, we talked about some of these scoring ideas in an earlier episode. If you're going to put an expectation on yourself, it really should be into some of the things that you can control or even something that's obtainable, like more of a birdie goal rather than a number. And so many players, especially at the junior and college level, they get on the range. And like I said, they they see themselves striping it on the range. And now they go, wow, I've never hit it so good. So it's really going to be a low score today. And so they take that that idea with them to the first tee, and as soon as they start having an error or they have a mishit there, suddenly these expectations are now working in a negative way for them. And it can definitely take them away from what they're doing rather than what you were doing, which was a simple job of catching it in the center of the face. And so uh, it, it's it's definitely a pitfall in the beginning of getting too score emphasis or trying to project what it's going to be. Uh, It's always better if you can focus on, again, controlling what you can control, which would be developing a really good warm-up routine that gets you mentally and physically sharp ready for the round. 
Yeah, and that's a good one. And that's something that I don't feel like a lot of players understand or can grasp is that, you know, you need to warm up your mind just as much as you need to warm up your body. And, you know, we got to come at that like exactly that. It's a warm up. So I'm out there to move. I'm out there to get my muscles loose, get the blood flowing. Um, but again, when you say when it comes into practice and and those types of things, that can really throw it off. But on top of that, you know, we have that expectation and that scoring expectation, too. And this is stuff we're revisiting a little bit. But, you know, now everything is going to work like um, a meter. Basically, you're judging every single thing you do on that score. So interesting. And I think you know this, but, you know, to get into the PGA, like a PGA member like I am, you have to take what's called a playing ability test. And this could not be set up more easy. Um, Middle pins, you play from a pretty short distance. It might have changed over the years, but I think when I played it, it was 6,800 yards, which isn't very long. Middle pins, I mean, they couldn't set the course up any, any easier. And your target goal is like 77, 78. So for most people getting into the business like myself and are established players and pretty decent players, and it's failed at like 98% of the time because they put this, this goal on you. So everybody's measuring themselves to where they're at at that number. And that's really interesting, I think, for people to understand is when you put that ceiling on that you start to judge every single thing you do so if you go like my goal is to shoot 75 well everything you do is about there if you're even par you're going to start thinking like i have three more bogeys and i can still be at 75 instead of doing what you really keep doing well yeah 100 percent. in fact i was on the bag for a player going through the pats before and he didn't perform well for that very reason and the whole time we were working hard on trying to stay focused on the process but you're right uh he put that score expectation out there and then everything's like oh man i need to par in and i need to do this and it, it created and, and fostered a lot of tension and, and poor swings out there and, and these are some of the things that a lot of players are doing too, maybe unknowingly on the course. And so I think an imp- another pitfall is, is not taking control of your mental focus, really like not arriving to the course and reestablishing what your real performance goals are and reestablishing what your goal is for your own attitude. You know, a lot of players go into the round expecting perfection. I think it's a healthier thing to go in and expect some errors. And it's more appropriate to now say and take control of your mind, how am I going to respond to the errors today when they occur? Because they're going to happen. No golfer has ever had a perfect round of golf. And so learning to take control of and setting your mindset to one, what's your performance goals and having the right clear expectations and goals for your mental attitude, I think are a really big thing that can put a lot of players ahead. And this doesn't have to be any long list and it doesn't even have to really be like a stat type of thing, like I'm trying to hit seven fairways, but it's more about like your commitments and what are you really committed to doing as a player? And for a lot of the college teams and professionals and uh, even some of the high level juniors that I coach, we kind of would establish and make the commitment to what we called the three P's and that is positive, patient, and process. And we make the commitment that we are going to win in these regards. And so this is kind of that entry-level point for players to start taking control of their mental focus prior to the round. I think the pitfall is, is a lot of people leave their mindset and these goals to chance. 
I mean, they may have them wrote down somewhere um, or different things, but they're not actively directing their mind like that as they're arriving in the parking lot. They're having a consistency in what their goals are mentally and, and reinforcing that prior to the round. And again, if, if we're not doing that, we can tend to go into our warm-ups and prior to the round with kind of a, I'm going to see what happens approach and then react to that rather than taking control and being responsive to whatever the situation may occur. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really good. Um, cause the conversation I even had with somebody today is, you know, I try to tell people like, you know, it's a fight out there and you got to go into there with that mindset and in that fight, you're going to get slapped in the face a little bit. You might get punched in the face and like, how do you react to that? I mean, you just give up, lay down, end it, or do you just keep battling? And when you go in there with that kind of mindset, like, look, I might take a punch or two. Like, nobody who's ever played their greatest round has been perfect. Um, you know, you guys just had some really great rounds this week, but I know there was still some hiccups in there. So I think that's just so important to just understand that and embrace that because people can hear you say that. But at the end of the day, it's like, look, I'm going to actually take this to heart and I'm actually going to do this. Well, we, we do game plan essentially in, in establishing how we're going to handle our mistakes. And, and we're really committed to having Teflon out there mentally and being able to step up and show toughness. And these are commitments that we're making prior to the rounds as we're going out and making a part of our game plan. And so it's up to us to really take control of our mental direction. And so it's a really good thing to get in that habit. It's a good thing to get in the habit of doing some good self-talk to yourself on the way to the course, reinforcing your goals and what commitments that you can expect of yourself. So whenever I'm working with a player, I can expect them that they can hold themselves to a positive attitude if they want to, if, they're, if they've made that decision. So I encourage them to make that decision prior to teeing it up. I know my players can control the steps of their process and they're, they're well trained in what they need to do. And that's their real job. They can make a commitment to that, hold themselves to a very high standard in that regard. And we can also make the commitment to being patient mentally and emotionally, working on staying more even keeled because players got to realize that the more even keeled you are out there, the more likely you're going to be able to execute better shots. A relaxed mind enables your motor cortex to begin to be a lot freer. So your better motion patterns and a lot of your best shots have a lot of freedom to be, you know, be happening on the course. And so the other thing that I would really encourage players to do and, and what to do is you really got to establish a good routine. I mean, uh, Austin is is on autopilot with his warm up. I mean, it is down to clockwork and time and even number of balls. And that enables him to have a process there that he's getting into and responsible that gets him ready to go. And so I'd encourage everybody, if you don't have a really good routine or a good warm up routine, it's something to really talk to about a coach. Because again, that's a way of directing your mental energy. You have a way of preparing. You have a number of balls you're going to hit and you're not going to keep exceeding that or going into practice mode. And it now becomes a warm-up process that's going to get you prepared to play. So I highly encourage everybody to take control of your mindset there. And when you get there, do things you're in control of and you're going to step foot on that first tee in a, in a place of empowerment. Yeah, good points. And I mean, if you really listen to this and like, I don't know how many people can say I have that. <laughs> Um, and you're, I mean, you're right. That's just such a powerful thing because it's going to keep you in control. You know, one other, we'll say pitfall 
that we see players do. And I think a lot of this boils down to just kind of nerves and being amped up, but they move super fast, you know, so they're Mm -hmm. walking fast. They're going through things fast. Um, You know, and I remember uh, who was it? Ben Hogan, I think would say like he would just walk in slow-mo and the day of a tournament, you know, and he talked about driving down Magnolia Lane at the Masters, literally driving his car at like 10 miles an hour or something just to like keep everything slowed down, everything feeling more relaxed so he could think clear, feel better. So what's your take on like how people are speeding up out there? I think you're spot on. I mean, you see anytime you're on the range and especially if someone's not going and, and hitting it well, it just gets faster and faster and faster. And, and you're right, Ben Hogan and a lot of players – were reported doing things slower. What that slowness does prior to a round is it increases your mindfulness. And that's what he was attempting to do. He wanted to be more mindful before his round because the slower he was doing things and the more mindful he was of his activities, it roots that player into the present moment. And it also relaxes the brainwaves. So in an earlier episode, we talked about what the zone was, and that's literally an alpha brainwave. And one way of doing that is through slowing down and through mindfulness and through breathing. So there's been a lot of accounts, even like Hogan tying his shoes slower, walking slower to the range. And a lot of players think like, you know, golf is a sport like you can get amped up or play really angry or aggressive and they listen to loud music or stuff fast and they're trying to get pumped. And in this sport, it kind of works against it. Uh, you know, we like to listen to reggae and things prior to a round, something that's going <laughs> to keep us relaxed and loose and slow down our brain waves and things so that we can easily get into that zone state more often. And so it's, it, I think that's an excellent thing. I mean, if you're one of those players that are going fast and you're still a fast player, just slow it down a touch and you're going to find yourself being a lot more present and a lot more aware. And there's a big translation from, from that approach to how you're going to be on the course. It kind of sets the tone for the day. That's wonderful. Nothing, nothing but a little Bob Marley. That's great. <laughs> That's right. Puts um, you in a nice rhythm, and and you you get into that flow a lot easier rather than listening to something fast or real heavy, uh, which is going to work your brain waves into a different state and your body into states of tension that you now have to release. So it's better to slow down prior and kind of go in with a more relaxed mindset because now you're not working against your biology. Right. So Bob Marley, good. Eminem, probably not good. (laughs) Yeah. And interesting enough, you know, they did a study where they were playing jazz music for players and jazz was one of the music genres that had some of the greatest effects on performance. I forget the research study, but it's out there. So if anybody kind of does some homework on it and the effects of music on golfers, I think they'll come across that. Very cool. So lastly, let's just get into a little bit of, you know, what the players can do and what they can take away from this. So in a perfect world, what's your best warm-up routine look like? Uh, best warm-up routine, you know, it's, it's really going to boil down to some of the player and their characteristics on what they need to do. But I will tell you some things that I think any player could benefit from right now. Uh, one of my pet peeves with warm-ups, at least in the routine, is when I see players do their full swing routine and all, hitting all their full swing shots, and then they finish their warm-up with putting, and then they go to the first tee. Uh, I think that is, is not the right approach because your body has a state to time to cool down, and you're, pra- you're practicing putting, which is going to be maybe your third or fourth shot on the hole. 
it's always better to be finishing your warm-up with the swing that you're going to take to the first tee. And some of the practices I like to get my players involved with is after you've finished your warm-up, you should pull out your yardage book and sequence some of the shots of your first few holes with full routine. This is starting to get your mind a lot more engaged and getting you more into a performance situation. You know, a lot of warm-ups are block style with the same club. You get a lot of repetitions. So at the end, you got to make sure you're doing full routine, hit a driver, and then hit your second shot and kind of sequence a few shots prior to walking to the first tee. You're literally practicing what you're about to do and you're building a mental association to what's about to occur on those first few holes. So at worst case scenario, at least do your tee shot and the following shot, you know what you're going to approach into the green with. And if you do have some extra time, get into the competitive mode and play the first two, three holes of your yardage book. You're going to feel really prepared and really ready to go when you get to the first tee. Yeah, that's great. And it's you're right because you start getting in that mode. And just to really add on to that, you know, I would say, you know, you want to change your targets up quite a bit. So even there, not just continually going at the same direction, like aim out to the right, aim out to the left, but you're doing everything in full routine and put an emphasis on, you know, being a little bit slower because with that anticipation of getting into the round is where you're going to feel a little more amped up and you can get yourself moving a little faster. But if you can really go through that slow, like John's talking about and make sure you're nailing your process is really good. And then secondly, John, what I would say is that you know, we really want them to list out and have their performance goals and their acceptance goals, I guess is a really good way to put that. You know, what am I willing to accept out there? Where, How am I going to be tough? And really putting the expectation on here's the things that I can control that I can really do well with. And that's what's going to produce this result versus, you know, man, I really want to shoot this score. I want to break this number. You know, again, when it becomes too much about that outcome or even worse, I think, is, you know, winning because you can't control what everybody else is doing. You can career it and not even come close. So but it's like if I am able to do these and these are my expectations and exude that in your warm up and going through your routine, I think all that stuff is huge. And like you said, you're going to feel so much more confident and prepared because it's like you you've just been doing it for the last 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever. Yeah, 100%. And uh, on that note, I mean, Hogan, it was very common for people to observe him just playing his full yardage book in, in his warm-up and literally playing a round or two rounds of golf prior to he teeing it up on the track and going through the sheets and playing the shots as he intended to play them on the course. Uh, it was huge. Going back to the, some of the breathing things, Remember, if you're if it's a big event and, and you're feeling yourself kind of getting a little worked up, the important things with your breathing and slowing down is making sure it's diaphragmatic breathing. So on your warm up, as you're standing behind the ball, as you breathe in, you can if you can feel your your hand put or the stomach pushing out your hand, you're breathing with proper diaphragmatic breath. And to just reinforce some of the things we may have brought up in the past. If you breathe down your body, it's going to create more of a relaxation effect, literally feeling it kind of like washing down with a slow, controlled exhale. If you breathe downward, it tricks your brain. It's telling a signal to your brain you're comfortable and you're relaxed, and that's going to help slow down your brain, slow down your heart rate, and give you a lot more access to, to your best swings. And also, be mindful of how you're using your body, your pacing, 
Are you standing confidently? Are you are you walking with authority? If you're taking control of your body language like this in the warm-up, again, it's like a brain hack. Your body language, your emotions, and thoughts are interconnected. So always be working in your warm-up to maintain nice, confident body language. And that's going to keep your mind working in a direction that serves you, and it's going to keep you feeling very confident. So breathe down the body, move a little slower, and make sure you're exuding the confidence you want to be feeling as a player. And it's a little bit of a brain hack to keep you in that good state. That's great. Um, so, John, you know, just kind of my last thoughts on this is that, you know, really the takeaways are, you know, just having a really solid warm-up routine and starting to define that. So if you've been listening to the, these shows for you know, throughout the duration, you hear John and I talk all the time about defining it because the more you literally have your stuff de defined down to the point where you can write it down, this is what I do, even to the point of your warm up routine is so big because that's an area that could be overlooked. But if you go through the greats of any sports, and you know, I always refer back to basketball because it's more basically documented, but Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, um, all these guys had just strict routines of everything they did. I mean, Michael Jordan would literally lay on the bench. I mean, he talks about this in his book and it's documented everywhere, but he would lay on the bench before every game and just visualize the game out and how he was playing. Those things are so powerful just to go like, this is what I do. You know, I show up uh, at this time and just everything down to the wire. You know, I'm going to walk in there slow. I'm going to go through my routine. I'm going to aim at different targets. I'm going to go through my yardage book, you know, whatever is most comfortable for you, and you decide on, but just having that defined where it doesn't let you slip into that practicing on the range and setting these crazy scoring expectations and, and kind of freaking yourself out because at the end of the day, don't you think that's really the issue is people actually are stressing themselves out on the range? Yeah, 100%. And then if they get stressed on the range, it's a carryover to the course. And what the stress is doing to the body is it secretes the, or secretes the cortisol. And when that cortisol comes out, everybody, it's going to restrict your motor cortex. And so we really, really want to be watching the stress on the course and, and especially in our warm-up because that's the thing that's going to hurt swing performance and, and scoring performance the most. And uh, just to go back to, to just reinforce a couple things here, um, I think that one of the number one things that's overlooked in the warm-up is really taking charge of your mental focus. So make it a goal of yours and a commitment that whenever you pull into the parking lot, whether you're going to practice or whether you're going to go and compete, that you commit to yourself on how you want your mindset and your day to be. Whether that's following the three Ps that we've had a lot of success with, positive, patient, and process. Whether it's you saying, hey, I'm willing, I'm going to have some mistakes today. So it's really about how I'm going to respond and setting the commitment to, to responding in that way that's going to produce that good number or help catapult you to a victory. Uh, it can't be overstated enough how important it is for you to take charge of the computer. And the other real important thing on, on Kyle's point about the routine or process and having a warm-up process, it's highly important. I mean, I, I touched on it a moment ago about getting on autopilot and autopilot's a way that we trigger our unconscious mind. And it becomes more of a habit in a way that we do it. And when we have this habit in place, we get a lot more comfortable no matter what the situation is. I mean, it wouldn't matter if you were going to the biggest event of your life or just another tournament. You have a way that's consistent and that makes it a lot easier to be confident. You know, the situation may change, but the process always stays the same. And this can include your warm-up process. 
And as an athlete, and especially a golfer, where you're under these changing circumstances and courses and conditions and locations all the time, the consistency from performance is really comes from these ironed out processes and knowing what we have to get accomplished and the time frame we have to get it accomplished. And it becomes this habit of success and it becomes this habit of doing things. And it's gonna make you feel a lot more comfortable in changing circumstances as a player. And so make it a habit again, like the warm-up, to just drive in the thoughts that you're gonna to commit to in the day, your performance goals, how you're gonna to commit to with your mentality and your attitude, and most especially how you're gonna to respond to adversity. If we have this in place, you're already more likely to succeed. It's already in your brain, and you're that much closer to taking action on it on the course. Well, John, as always, awesome points. Uh, super excited to have you back and get recording again. Um, I know everybody was uh, missing you for a couple weeks there, but um, you know we're all rooting for Austin and you on the tour. I know you guys are in full swing, so uh, glad to be on with you talking about this stuff. And I think this is going to be a wonderful episode and some definitely overlooked things. And lastly, you know, we have a really big announcement and some things that John and I are coming out with here very soon. And we're going to kind of make that announcement next week. So make sure you tune in next week's episode. And until then, we'll see everybody next week on the Go Low Show.